This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. Halloween is a time of superstition, a celebration of the creepy things that send the chills of the supernatural up our spines. It is a holiday that's been taken advantage of by all kinds of marketing strategies, binding the children's celebration with candies to the goods and services that are purchased by adults. For many, <clears throat> it is a time of remembrance of the things that mankind would rather forget. But to the children, it is a time in the year when your supply of candy is restocked to overflowing. <clears throat> when most people think of Halloween, they associate the holiday to the Salem witch trials. The marketing agencies are in tune with this forward motion of the people, and they follow suit, carefully placing black hats and witch brooms in the entrances of shopping centers and advertising, portraying the witches as... <clears throat> women with a long, green, crooked nose having a big, hairy wart. But this is an Americanized adaptation of a celebration that adds a creepy element to our folklore into a holiday celebration that originated in another country. Christian groups that speak out against this holiday typically denounce what they consider to be the roots of this celebration. Some claim that the day was of Roman influence, with either celebration of the goddess Pomona or the festival of the dead. <clears throat> Others bind it to the Celtic festival of Sandheim, an old Irish celebration of summer's end. And this route seems to be the most accurate since the celebration was first introduced in America through influence of the Irish and Scottish immigrants, with a strong opposition by the Puritans of New England. These immigrants were carving pumpkins as they did in the old country with turnips. The pumpkin was much softer and much easier to carve. Other Christian groups trained to believe that the Catholic Church's betting grounds for the Antichrist opposed this holiday due to its roots that tie to the Catholics in the days of Pope Gregory IV. This day celebrated as All Saints Day or All Hallowmas was celebrated in the latter part of its existence on November 1st, making October 31st All Hallows' Eve. Originally celebrated in the year 609, 
This holiday was placed in the month of May, but it is believed to have changed in the later part of to the later part of the season due to the massive number of people that flocked into the cities for this celebration. But this idea of celebrating in honor of the saints is certainly not mainstream Christian. This was a day honoring the saints that were in Catholic purgatory. It was a day remembering the saints that had gone on, but were in a holding cell or a holding place before they met Christ. <clears throat> and this holiday is interesting when you consider the background, having been raised in the cult of William Branham. While my family did allow myself and my brother to fill sack after sack with candies, a great number of the followers of William Branham did not allow their children to participate. I can remember when our children first started dressing up as little cowboys or superheroes or Star Wars villains. The Branham houses were always dark and gloomy. Not a single light shining upstairs. I always got a good laugh off of this because while they thought that nobody could see them hiding in their basements, you could easily see the blue light that was casting images on their windows from the televisions that they had hidden in their basements. I honestly would have never known that these people had a television. Not just because William Branham openly condemned the watching of movies and television, but because those same houses did not have one to be found upstairs. While adhering to their message teaching in one area, they were breaking the rules in another. <clears throat> but it's even more interesting. <clears throat> when you compare this holiday celebrated by the Roman Catholics, the Celtics, <clears throat> and Salem to the ministry of William Branham himself, in what William Branham called a vision, he fully described Catholic purgatory. And that same purgatory is celebrated in churches around the world. <clears throat> in this vision, Branham claimed to have saw the little bride on the other side. That place where he also described preaching the same message that Paul preached. And he described thousands screaming, we're resting on that. Those people had died and they had gone on. And they received new bodies. He claimed to have recognized the body of an elderly lady in the congregation, describing her as a 20-year-old girl. But while they had died and gone on, they were also in a holding place. Branham asked to see Jesus, and they said, He's up higher than this. They were in a land of purgatory, a place between life and God. This vision that is celebrated in these cult churches is a vision of All Hallows' Eve, a time before the saints are to be honored by lifting up from purgatory and into the heavens. He also did not mind telling a good ghost story, and those same stories are told from behind the pulpits of churches that proclaim Christianity. They were the souls that he claimed to have spoken with after they died which is necromancy, but also the souls that he's, he described as still wandering the earth to and fro. The best example of this is found in the sermon, Who is this Melchizedek? Branham says this, The other day in the Tucson newspaper, I was reading an article where there was a woman driving down the road, I believe about 40, 50 miles an hour, and she hit an old man with an overcoat on. 
She screamed and stopped the car. It threw him in the air, right in the plain desert. And she went back to find him. He wasn't there. So what did she do? Some people behind her saw it happen, saw the old man fly in the air, his overcoat turning. So they ran back to find out. They couldn't find the man anywhere. They called the police force. The police came out to examine the place. There was nobody there. Well, each one of them testified. The car chugged, hit the man. He went up in the air. Everyone saw it. Witnesses. Two or three carloads of them. They seen it happen. Come to find out. Five years ago, there was an old man with an overcoat on, hit and killed in that same spot. When you leave here, you're not dead. You've got to come back, even if you're a sinner, and be judged according to the deeds in the body. If this earthly tabernacle is dissolved, we have one waiting. In morphe, that's the word. That's 1965, Sermon Index 0221E, Who is this Melchizedek? It's ironic, because while condemning other Christians for participating in celebrating the dead on All Hallows' Eve, those same Christians being condemned would flee from a church that said these kind of things in the name of God from behind a pulpit. The church of the living God is dedicated to the gospel of Jesus Christ, not a superstitious story that plays on the minds of patrons like a Halloween marketing scheme for the shopping centers. But for many, there is a middle ground that is missed. A true Christian can easily identify Branham's Catholic purgatory doctrine and vision as unscriptural and denounce the holiday celebrating heresy. They can identify communication with the dead as ne necromancy, and sorcery, a sin that was punishable by death under the Mosaic Law. They might not have a problem with the Celtic celebration of the change in season, but the underlying evil between these two demonic teachings becomes the focus, insomuch that they ignore what God has done for them. When in the message of William Branham, a message that promoted law instead of grace, I harshly condemn the songs that spoke of the dark side. Country songs, singing of drunkenness, failed marriages, wickedness, and more were a terrible thing to focus your mind upon. Even folk songs had depressing scenes and sang of things that are better left alone. <clears throat> While I celebrated in the change of season with my children, I also disagreed with the remembrance of evil during Halloween. But we are no longer bound by the law. Christ came and he gave us power over evil. He conquered the demons that are the focus of this holiday, and we are no longer terrorized by them. He gave us full forgiveness of sin. Even if we become the target of the worst country song, he gives us power to lift ourselves back into his grace and mercy. We are now walking in the fullness of Christ. And even if this holiday were in remembrance of Satan himself, we can openly ridicule the great deceiver by giving him a word on his nose. When the early church was being established, <clears throat> these festivals and celebration of false deities were a problem. Many in the cities of pagan influence 
had celebrated the things that, as Christians, they saw now as purely evil. And like Halloween, some of these people continued to celebrate regardless of what other Christians thought of their participation. This was enough of a problem that the Apostle Paul addressed it in the book of Colossians. Paul reminds us that we are alive and well in the body of Jesus Christ. We are no longer to be taken captive by man's philosophy. And when others try to deny us of our freedoms in His grace, we will not be enslaved. These people are focusing upon the elemental spirits instead of Christ. Just as many Christians who speak so harshly against our children and their candies during Halloween, while their focus is the elemental spirits of witches and ghosts and demons, a true Christian will focus upon the God that delivered them from all of them combined. We serve a risen Savior that gave us the freedom to conquer demons, not a weak God that tells us to run and flee. In Colossians 2, Paul tells us that these people are trying once again to enslave us by law. He compares them to the circumcision party, who felt that that particular part of the Mosaic law must still be upheld. And they said it in a city where this painful procedure was not custom. Paul says that we are buried with Christ, and our bodies are no longer in under submission of the things of the flesh. And these rulers and authorities are put to open shame. Their focus is on the things of this world, or worldly. They've become so worldly that in fact they try to push you under submission by denying you celebration in a festival. As Christians, we need to band together. We need to denounce those that try to push us back under the law, which Paul called obsolete. We need to stand firmly in our faith that Jesus Christ has made us more than conquerors. We need to stop cowering in fear. Take that same cult follower's house, the one hiding in the basement, watching the devil box television, while displaying his and her denial of celebration. When children and parents pass by this house, they can see the cross that they display proudly. Those same families are walking through the streets. They may have never known the gospel of Jesus Christ. They see a home with a cross that is in denial of the celebration surrounding them. They associate asceticism with Christianity, which Paul also openly condemned. This is a God that is not the God of the Bible. This God that they serve is not a God that is loving and kind and generous. It is not the same God that died on the cross to offer them salvation. These passerby see a house with the cross and mistake that God that they serve for nothing more than a lesser pagan God. What if that same house opened their door with welcoming arms? What if they dropped candies to excite the children and told the parents about Jesus Christ? 
What if they told them that Christ died for them on the cross? How he came and he saved them from the very demonic forces that that celebration that they were participating in. What if in that same celebration they led just one more soul to the arms of Jesus Christ? To those of you who are unsure whether or not Christ gave you the freedom to celebrate, I think it's very fitting that you read what Paul wrote in this letter. You'll find not only this, the freedom to celebrate this festival, but also the firm foundation to denounce the idea of trying to place you under the law. I think we should all take this time to show love and kindness to our neighbors, as Christ would want us to. Let's show them love instead of hatred. Colossians 2. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, be rooted, built up, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Here's, here's the good part. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him, Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you've been filled with Him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses of the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands the law. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. Therefore, and here's the good part, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to these elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch referring to the things that all perish as they are used, 
according to human precepts and teachings. These indeed have the appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are in no value in stopping of the indulgence of the flesh. Thank you.